podcast this is episode 71 of the only english language podcast all about brazilian football Whew, what a week what a couple of match weeks here uh we had derbies we had drama we had dogs on the pitch uh we had a pathetic embarrassment of a massacre going on in porto alegre uh we had an embarrassment on the international stage with brazil and uruguay uh, we had goals, we had drama, we had a fan protest, and we had a pizza party. Uh, so we've got all that and much more to talk about this week on the Smoke and Steak podcast. But before we get to that, let's join in. Let's bring in Enric, the other co-host of this pod. Enric, how is it going? Hey, Peter. It's going pretty well. And as you said, we have so much to talk about, so much happening these last couple of days. And I think you forgot to mention uh, lights turning off at uh, yeah. Nilton Santos Stadium. So that's another topic that we can talk about and even more, of course, as we keep going and talking about uh, the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's good. There, we've got conspiracy theories as well, like you just said. Uh, but there's a ton to get to. We're going to speed through a lot of this um, and really zero in on the stuff that's entertaining and exciting and, and important. So, Enric, let's start off the top of the show. World Cup 2026 qualifiers, Brazil back in action, disappointed against Venezuela, the one world draw. And guess what? More disappointment here. Neymar, knee injury. He's going to have surgery, but, or he's probably had surgery by now, but 2 0. Not a too bad of a scoreline, but feels like an absolute thumping. Yeah, definitely a bad match. And I think before we ended last episode, we were kind of waiting for this game to start. And maybe a draw would have been good playing away from home, but it did not seem like the case. Brazil hasn't looked good ever since we played against Peru. And we proceeded with tying against Venezuela at home. So this game was no different. A loss away, nothing weird like nobody expected anything better than losing honestly and Darwin Nunez was the one who opened the scoring with a free header he tapped it in in the back of the net and beats Ederson and this is a topic that maybe we haven't discussed but if you ask me during the World Cup I, I was always the guy who wanted Ederson to play for the national team and looking at how this game went and how he conceded against Venezuela. He did not look good. Even in the game against Bolivia, he conceded a goal. Now I'm starting to think that maybe the Brazilians are right when they say Allison's the best keeper. So maybe he should be having more chances in the national team. And Ederson seems a little unexperienced when it comes to uh, national team level. But other than that, as you mentioned, uh, Neymar's knee injury looked pretty bad. He's expected to be out for eight to 10 months. So without Neymar, Brazil seemed clueless uh, throughout the rest of the first half. And even in the second, we did not look good at all. The only big chance that we got was a Rodrigo crossbar hit from a free kick. And other than that, it's uh, Darwin Nunes again, Darwin Nunes show. He beats two of our defenders and crosses to 
international player De La Cruz makes it 2-0. And I think De La Cruz was the guy who injured Neymar as well. And going back to Inter, uh, during the match against Atletico Paranaense, an Inter player also injured Vitoroque. So I don't know what's going on with Internacional or what uh, Eduardo Cudet is uh, feeding his players with, but it's definitely not good. And it's hurting not only the club level teams, but also the national team with Neymar and other players. Yeah, I I agree. It was a, it was a poor showing, and they've got a lot got a lot of work to do. And now without their talisman, their number ten, and we know how important he is to the team. I think no one is under the illusion that the team is better without Neymar. I think we we've dispelled that rumor once and for all. So they've got a lot of work to do, and uh, Argentina's coming up soon. So uh, that's going to be a, a tough one there. Um, Enric, talk to me about Serie C. We had the final. Who won? Yeah, definitely a show here. Uh, 0-0. The first leg ended between Brusque and Amazonas. But now, in the second leg, Brusque opened the scoring in the first half. uh, 1-0 while they were playing at home. And Amazonas comes back. They win 2-1. They win the third division. And a team that was founded in 2019, last year, they were actually playing in Serie D. And it just reminds me of what Luisa Esteval talked to us about and said that it's much difficult to qualify from the fourth division than third division, because then you can just hire or quickly move up divisions. And now this, this team, again, founded four years ago, they find themselves in Serie B 2024. So it's just crazy to think that a club is created and does all of this in the space of one year or two. Amazing. And it's something that we're definitely probably going to see uh, Amazonas in Serie A in 2025 because we've seen it before with Paraná, CSA. Every year there's a club that comes from fourth division all the way up to the first and then again goes back. But it's always nice to see that run made by such low division squads. Yeah, uh, great. Congratulations to them. Um, and, and let's let's hope that they do. Um, you mentioned that uh, Luisa, if anyone's wondering, that's uh, Luisa Esteval, the vice president, um, and really the the brains behind the operation at Brasiliense, um, fourth division side that, uh, that did a lot of damage back in the day, and they're hoping to climb up the pyramid once again. Uh, go listen to that episode we did with her. It's episode 63. Uh, check that out. It was a great interview. Uh, but Enric, we've got two match weeks to cover here. Brasileiro match week twenty-seven and match week twenty-eight. Uh, let's start uh, in chronological order. Of course, match week twenty-seven, Gremio, Atlético Paranaense, two teams challenging for the top four. Furacao coming out on top on this one, two to one. One of their big wins since uh, losing Vitoroke. They've been kind of struggling. Uh, they finally get another little win here, and and Gremio. Uh, all of a sudden are not looking that great. Yeah, definitely they're not looking good because they were playing at home. Of course, it's a difficult rival, but this is the game that they were expected to win. And looking at how Atletico Paranaense actually started the game with Zapelli hitting the post after just four minutes, they should have took that into consideration. And uh, despite Besozzi scoring three minutes later for Gremio, he strikes it low into the goal. Nice goal for him still. Gremio, I think they should have put more chances in, especially in that first half. Yeah, no wins for them in the past three rounds, including this one. Uh, 
I like to uh, just shout out Besozzi real quick. He's 20 years old, Argentine winger, um, a rising star. He's on loan, but um, he's probably going to stay in Brazil after his loan. Really nice little player there on the left wing for Gremio. Um, and it's his first goal in, in Brazil. So congrats to him. But uh, got, or, excuse me, uh, Atletico Paranaense, uh, come away with the win. Zapelli uh, chipping in one of the goals and then uh, Kaiki Rocha at the end there. Uh, one to zero in on Zapelli. I think we've talked about him before, uh, but he incredible the way he replaced David Terrans. Uh, I was talking on Twitter with uh, the account Football Spy, uh, who is a great scout um, and a great follow on Twitter. And he was just saying he's, you know, Zapelli is just a pure footballer, a joy to watch. Um, and uh, couldn't agree more. Um, all right, Enric, let's keep training along. Uh, Corey Chiba, uh, nil. Three for Cuiabá, um, Daverson, Pita, Haniele, all getting goals. But the only reason we're bringing up here, <laughs> we got to talk about it. The dog on the pitch, you got to shout it out every time you see it in Brazil or South America. Just nice to see, you know, the dog running around. He even got on the ball. Um, so he's already doing some of better than some of the unused subs. Uh, but yeah, just nice to see here and pretty, pretty iconic and emblematic of uh, South American football. So um nice 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 little touch there all right enric first verse last america hosting botafogo botafogo hitting the skids recently uh but they're coming back nice win here over the rabbits um junior santos dominating uh that second goal especially uh incredible golasso uh almost a carbon copy both goals the first one took a deflection the second was just so pure uh, and Lucio Flavio getting something out of this Botafogo team. Uh, they made the coaching switch. He's going to be with them toward the end of the year. So really impressive stuff, uh, especially when you can look at some of the stats and you might say that America had some of the better chances. Yeah, and Junior Santos doing an amazing job. I think he scored last week against Fluminense and he seems to do what uh, his teammate, uh, the goal scorer Chiquinho Soares is not doing at times. So great for him scoring two goals here away from home and uh it's surprising to see america score because uh, botafogo is a tough side and they got a tough keeper lucas perry but yeah other than that botafogo is uh happy with a 2-1 win and they secure the three points which are going to be a lot necessary when it comes to winning the brasile row yep absolutely lucas perry uh one of the highest rated players i'm just looking now on sofascore.com uh, second highest rated in the league uh, after Rafael Vega. Um, all right, let's blast through these next couple of games here too. Vasco beating Fortaleza at home. Vasco cooking right now. They, they, you know, on paper, I would say this is a mismatch. Fortaleza, uh, the better team, I think. Uh, but Vasco looking better on the day. And really the story is here. Yes, Leo Jardim is an incredible keeper, made some great saves. But Dimitri Paye, the Frenchman, coming good, the number 10 for Vasco, scores his first goal. Uh, awesome to see there. Um, and Vasco bag all three points um, in, the, in their quest to stave off relegation. And another team battling relegation, Goyas. Oh, a win at home, Enric. I texted you after this one. You weren't surprised. I was floored. But two goals uh, over Sao Paulo. I'm sure you've got a little bit of commentary on this one, but before you go, uh, this is their first win in their last seven. 
But really the story here, Enric, did you see the goal? The left back, Hugo, 26 years old, his first goal in any first division, a Zidane-style volley from the corner. Absolute insanity. Easily the best goal of the match week. Possibly a contender for goal of the year. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on either of these two games? I mean, what else can you expect from Goyas? Uh, they have been probably the best team in the Brasilia Rao at home against tough opponents. Their only opponents, I think I've said to you, uh, that beat them at home was Palmeiras back in match week two or three. And other than that, they've either tied games or won, as they did here against Sao Paulo. So credit to them. Probably the hottest team when it comes to playing at home uh, in the Brasilia Rao, despite finding themselves in the lower half of the table. Uh, still, um, it's a nice win for them. Uh, also for Vasco da Gama, as you talked about earlier, because given how Vasco lost in against Santos for one, then they drew against Sao Paulo at home. Now it was the time for them to at least get the win here and against Fortaleza, a team that is probably preparing themselves for the Sudamericana. And again, it's nice to see Dimitri Payet scoring his first ever goal in Brazil and Hopefully many of them uh, soon coming from this player. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Would love to see that. Although not at the expense of Santos. Um, all right. Bahia beating Internacional. Um, Bahia rocking the white shorts with the uh, the pink shirts looking like Independiente de Valle. Um, kind of thought that was interesting. Um, but uh, poor, poor showing from Luis Adriano. He's a signing that I thought really had a great start. Um, but just hasn't really worked out in the way in terms of getting goals. Uh, missed a pretty good chance to to equalize. Uh, Inter actually, despite losing the game, they, I thought, looked much better than they have seen. And we'll kind of get into their next game and towards the end of the episode. But um, Bahia getting in the win here, and that's another relegation candidate stacking up the three points in this match week. Um these guys are are serious and uh we're Santos supporters and we don't really like to see these these other teams that are that are in danger of getting relegated uh stacking up the wins but that's what's going on um yeah but so determined to win this game uh they scored but they also scored some offside goals so I think there were two or three that could have counted in this game and it would have been a terrific loss for Internacional, maybe a 3 or 4 nil at the end. But anyways, a 1 nil does the job and they get the three points needed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Speaking of kits, great kit from Palmeiras. I don't like to compliment Palmeiras at all, but that's just a stunning kit. Half pink, half blue, uh, one for breast cancer awareness, uh, the other one for men's health awareness, or I think it's maybe even testicular cancer awareness whatever the, the blue November and pink October, uh, whatever the, the cancers that they're supporting, great cause, but great kit. Uh, I think it's the only ever thing that I would even consider buying for Palmeiras. Not that I would ever actually do that, but beautiful, beautiful. Uh, but they can look good. They can feel good, but they did not play good. Hulk setting the tone nice and early, long shot. We've seen it so many times, squeezes it in near post, boom, one up already. Uh, Gallo uh, will uh, will get the early lead in this one. Yeah, and it's funny. Before this game started, the commentary in the Brazil Real play were showing his goal that he scored against Sao Paulo from a free kick, 
And little did they know that he is going to do pretty much the same here. What a strike that was from Hulk. Gave Atletico Mineiro the opener. But uh, other than that, Atletico seemed very dangerous. They hit the crossbar minutes later and something was not right with Palmeiras. They're not the team that they used to be. They had very little chances with no end product whatsoever. The strikers like Ronnie has been a shadow of himself ever since he got national team call-ups. I don't know what's wrong with him, but he hasn't been scoring the goals that he used to last year. And without any new signings, I think that's definitely hurting the team. They're relying on a young player like Enrique, who definitely can help the team, but he needs players around him. And with Gustavo Scarpa gone to Nottingham Forest, Vega also not having great performances, I think this is definitely killing Palmeiras. And it could be one of the reasons why they had been struggling for the last four or five games prior to this one. So Atletico Mineiro, a team that they versed in Libertadores, was definitely going to cause some issues as they were probably going to seek revenge. They got the second goal in the 76th after a quick counterattack. And uh, Paulinho, a man that has been scoring a lot for Atletico Mineiro, does the job again. And it's a great win. Atletico Mineiro 2-0. Palmeiras can't even score at their home stadium. So... Three points is going to help Atletico Mineiro jump up in that table a lot. Yeah, they're looking for that position to uh, to secure Libertadores football for them. Uh, that Paulinho goal, Saravia, great assist there. But uh, Palmeiras fans really upset. I think it was with Zay Rafael gave the ball away unnecessarily um, right before that. But Saravia, great ball. And Paulinho, like you said, we've been complimenting him and and he's been terrific. Uh, Palmeiras, like I said, fans not not happy. Uh, booed off the pitch, uh, four losses in a row in Brazil, um, and it's uh, you know five losses in six matches, um, no wins in any of those. If you count the tie with Boca, the draw, and then the draw and the loss on pens, so um, they're in a bit of a rut. Uh, and um, we'll get to some of their fan protests later too. Uh, Cruzeiro hosting Flamengo. Um, Flamengo, 2-0 win, back to winning ways. They had their crisis. They could be back. Could be a new era for Flamengo. Uh, Chiche, of course, is back. Uh, the former Sao Sao manager who's won the Copa America with Brazil, of course. Won a Copa to Brazil back in the day with Gremio. Uh, but really, he's known for his work at Corinthians. Uh, Libertadores, um, two-time Serie A winner, and probably most importantly, uh, the most recent South American uh, manager and man and coach to to capture the uh, um, the Club World Cup. So Chiche is back, and Flamengo are back. Two goals: Ayrton Lucas and Pedro. Um, and uh, second half, they suffocated Cruzeiro and 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 got the win. So uh, really nice stuff there. Uh, from Flamengo, and we could see the the new era ushered in. Uh, any comments on that one before we move to the team of our hearts? Yeah, I mean, it was surprising for Flamengo to get a clean sheet away from home. I think Tite is a great manager, and we're definitely seeing the start of a new era for the Cariocas, and hopefully it's going to turn up good for them. I want to see Flamengo succeeding. They're a great team, and they don't deserve to lose so many finals as they did in this season. So 2-0 win. Helps them a lot, but yeah, Cruzeiro, the situation on the other side is not looking good. Despite them winning Serie B, who knows? They might win Serie B again in 2024. So let's hope to see that because we need as many teams below us as possible. 
All right. Uh, I agree. <laughs> All right. Speaking of that, Santos hosting Red Bull Braga. You know, uh, it's a loss. And I think it was an expected loss. Red Bull Braga, really uh, one of the best teams this year. They're sitting in that second place, um, even as we speak. Uh, but things could have been so different. Lucas Lima hitting the post in the first minute. I think it was like 30 seconds in, something like that. If only that went in, what a different game it would be. Uh, but as uh, as it goes, not the case. Uh, of course, it's the law that acts, the Le X, Sasha. Two goals, one easy header, one pen on uh, on a yellow card from from the keeper, Joe Paulo. And, and I think after that, in the in the 30th minute, um, that was game over. Uh, they would add another one, and 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 we would get an own goal consolation. Uh, Julio Ferk, I thought was the one last one to touch it, but I guess it was an own goal. Um, but uh, disappointing, I guess, when you look at that Lucas Lima chance. But uh, pretty expected, I think, when you look at the uh, the gulf between the quality and the performances this year between these two teams. Yeah, and since the game started, I knew that something wasn't right uh, we hit the post as you said in minute one and it reminded me of the post that we also hit against Bahia and after that we ended up conceding despite coming back but still a name that I didn't want to see in the score sheet Eduardo Sasha he gets not only one but two goals and especially that penalty kick goal killed our hopes and motivation going into the rest of the first half and but also in the second half uh, I don't know what's wrong uh, with the team it seemed weird that we were playing at home during a nighttime because looking at the previous wins, we won against Gremio. It was during the day. Same thing happened against Vasco. So maybe the atmosphere is different in Villa Belmira, but I definitely saw a loss coming here. If anything, a draw would have been a good result, but we couldn't even get that. But at the end of the day, again, it's expected. It reminds me of match week... Uh, 15 or 14 when we last played Rebel Bragancino and lost 2-0 away from home. We called that a bad result, but imagine now even losing at home. So, But still, Red Bull has proven them to themselves and to other people in Brazil that they're a great team. And you can just look at where they find themselves in the table and just understand that this could be a result that we can neglect. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. Uh, I wasn't too disheartened about that. We had three wins before that. Uh, this loss did mean we moved down into back into the relegation zone, but that's more of a commentary on some of those other teams in the battle for relegation uh, getting wins. Um, all right, last one for match week 27. Um, the most goals and probably the most fun uh, for the neutral fan. Definitely not a fan of the team or definitely not the coaches. Uh, but Fluminense hosting Corinthians, uh, two pretty inconsistent teams, but I think two totally different levels of quality. Uh, they equal here 3-3, three, three, uh, but it didn't have to be that way. Corinthians jumping out to a first half uh, win, I guess you could say, going into the break 3-1 up on Fluminense. Um, man, they'll be kicking themselves. They, they threw this one away. Yeah, this game, Corinthians has been producing a lot of goals. We saw a 4-4 against Gremio not too long ago, and now 3-3, too many goals being scored. Surprising that they even scored in Maracanã. I did not see that at all coming. And Yuri Alberto, what a chip that was from him. And it's good to see him in the back to scoring because he really deserves He's a great player, but at times he just messes up and turns into a Harry Maguire of Corinthians. So... <laughs> 
Uh, other than that, Lima shoots, he hits a post and the ball goes in. He gives Fluminense the equalizer. And Fluminense thinks that, okay, now we have the game in hand. We can come back and win this game against Corinthians. But Marcelo turned the ball over. He gives the ball to Yuri Alberto, who easily makes it 2-1. And it's another surprising goal and surprising result, especially in that first half, something that many people didn't see coming. Yeah, and for for those listening internationally, I don't, they might do this other in in other countries and stuff. But in North America, U.S. and Canada, they uh, for missing kids, they'll put you know a, a, a portrait of this missing kid on the milk box uh, or milk carton, I guess you would call it. Um, it's kind of a famous thing. And man, you gotta put Marcelo's face up on the milk carton. Where is this guy? This guy used to be i mean he's still we know he's got the quality he shows up certain times but man epic error on that second one um he's he's on my milk carton of the week he's missing in action the guy is just you know he's he's very streaky and speaking of streaky players yuri alberto as well um streaky 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 one of the best goals of the match week that chip so so satisfying uh, adds another uh, just just nice little uh, far side shot there breaking in on the keeper, but um, just kind of streaky, inconsistent. And it's and you're right. It's we like to see uh, him do well. He's he's a Santos Academy grad, but um, but it, yeah, it's it's just crazy. Uh, but totally different story in the second half. Fluminense come raging back. Yeah, they come raging back, but going back to a second again, uh, Fabio Santos, the guy never misses a penalty. He oh, gives yeah. the third to Corinthians, and it's only 32 minutes gone. Like, what the hell is going on here? Corinthians, a team that we didn't even expect to score goals ever since Roger gets left, and they have done what nobody expected. And yeah, three goals in that first half. Lima gets another banger in the second half, 3-2, and after that, even Casio try to slow the game down because he knew a third goal was going to come and it came in the 84th by Jonah Arias. He tied it 3-3. Fluminense still tried a lot to at least win this game, but they were, there was not much time left. And at the end, 3-3, a result that both teams are not going to be sad about, especially with Corinthians, who probably came here to lose, and with Fluminense having their eyes on the Libertadores. Uh, yeah, that's probably why both of these teams don't find themselves good in the table so far. Yeah. And I think Corinthians will be the the happier team. I mean, like you said, I don't think they expected a win uh, playing away, but I think, you know what, a poor result from two really inconsistent teams, again, a golfing quality, but Fluminense are, are, are sliding down the table. They used to be a top four. We had them, you know, second, I think at our combined table, you had them first. I had them second in our individual tables uh, for predictions at the beginning of the year, they're really sliding down there. And you know what? I thought this match was so emblematic of the the um, the flaws in each club. Corinthians throwing away a win when you're three one up after thirty minutes. You know you've got to see the game out, and so emblematic of Corinthians putting themselves in good positions, and then just throwing it away. And Fluminense are the opposite. They put themselves in poor positions, put themselves behind the eight ball, and they've got to do play catch up. We saw it in the Bertadores. I'm worried about it for the final for them, but we saw it 
in Libertadores against Inter, a team that I think they were much better than. They waited to the last minute, and granted, you know, Inter were playing, especially at home, a lot better. They were pressing in the first, and maybe they outweigh, well, outweighed them. But still, I, I just think that they 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 just shoot themselves in the foot early in the game, and then they're playing catch up. And and Denise, that one of the my biggest criticisms of him is he doesn't he's ineffective at setting up a defense that can keep the ball out of the net. Uh, and you saw that with the national team, and you've been seeing it for Fluminense. So uh, emblematic game that's kind of defines both club seasons, if you ask me. All right, Rossi Rao, week twenty eight. Uh, we keep things moving here. Um, this one just wrapped up. Well, the match week, not the not this match. But Sao Paulo beating Gremio 3-0 uh, at home. Sao Paulo back to winning ways after that. Pretty, um, well, Enric wasn't surprised, but I was surprised that they lost to Goyas. But uh, this one, uh, I think Sao Paulo, not only much the better team on the scoreline, uh, but I think much the better team in general. Yeah, I wasn't surprised about this game either. Uh, Gremio, they're not been looking good. And as we talked about earlier, they're lost at home against Letico Parnense. meant that the only thing that they can do against Sao Paulo is lose. And the first goal came uh, from a set piece. It was a corner kick towards Michel Araujo, who scored with his header. So both teams had great chances. But at the end, uh, Pablo Maya makes it 2-0 in the second half. And then we had a poor defensive mistake by Gremio in the 90th minute. He gave away possession. Luciano stole the ball away, made it 3-0 for Sao Paulo. He, and he was all alone against the keeper. So Gremio, I don't know, for some reason, they're going through a difficult situation. Luis Suarez hasn't been good. He missed some big opportunities against Atletico Parnaense. And one thing that I don't like is that he is always pissed that he didn't score, but when somebody else misses a great opportunity and doesn't pass, he starts barking and yelling. So maybe, in my opinion, he's a player that he's holding back the team. If it was all about the youngsters like Belotti and Cristaldo, I think that Gramio would do much better, not only in midfield, but also in the attack and with the goals that they can score. But with having Suarez there, they're kind of scared of doing what they want to do, especially in Brazil. So uh, let's wait and see after he moves on and leaves Gremio in December. If Gremio revives and does or has a better season, especially in, in the next year when they're going to play in Libertadores as well and other competitions. Really interesting point there. I, you know, I, I hadn't really noticed that, but um, I like the thought. They're kind of in a Manchester United situation with Ronaldo where you know, you could say he's kind of holding them back because he's their main uh, focal point and he's missing all these chances or whatever, but he's also scoring a lot of goals. And without him, you know, I don't know where they'd be. You look at Manchester United and how they've fallen off even more uh, with with uh, Ronaldo leaving and you kind of fear for Gremio. Um, I'm not sure that they have the focal point striker uh, that, uh, that would come in and, and replace Luis Suarez. So, Really interesting conversation. And Gremio now, we've been so used to seeing them in that top four sinking down to sixth place. And and worse than that, they're eight points off, off second now. So they've really, in a short period of time, just plummeted in terms of points. Um, they sh still should be able to shore things up and secure Libertadores football. But 
we'll have to see with Gallo, Fortaleza, Fluminense, Sao Paulo all below them uh, that could uh, that could hop over them. Um, okay, so Bahia again surprising me here. Maybe I shouldn't be. Uh, home win, Fanchinova, uh, rocking, packed, jam packed for Bahia. Two goals over Fortaleza. Um, admittedly, a rotated side from Voivoda. Um, I thought Fortaleza was was actually pretty decent for a rotated side. They had some good uh, chances. Uh, but in the end, uh, it's another loss for Fortaleza. And Bahia, again, another relegation-threatened team that that takes all three points here. Um, additionally, Cuiabá drawing with Goyas. Um, again, relegation-threatened team, Goyas, grabbing a point here. They will take that all day. And Cuiabá, still in 11th place. Pretty amazing, if you ask me. They had that super hot run earlier in the season, but they've cooled down. Um, but they've 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 stayed with uh, in the middle of the table, and they're they're actually above a lot of big big teams. You know, Corinthians, Inter, um, Cruzeiro, Santos. Uh, so uh, um, good on them. Good on them. All right, Enric, we met we teased it in the beginning of the show. Uh, let me ask you. <laughs> Are you a conspiracy theorist? Because <laughs> if you are, I'm sure you have some thoughts on this game, Botafogo versus Atletico Parne, and say um, we had a two-part game, I guess you could say. Um, but let's start off with the first part. Chiquinho Suarez uh, in that in that new third kit for Botafogo, the black with the yellow uh, scoring, Pablo scoring as well. Uh, and then... The lights went out. <laughs> well, they went on, they went off, they played, and then the same thing happened over and over. And the referee sort of let the game flow in that first half. But then the second half started, or actually Atletico Pernance tied before that. But uh, when the second half started, it was the same thing happening over and over. And I think the game was paused during the minute 51. And honestly, I had no idea that this game, the rest of this match was played on Sunday. I was watching some of the highlights before we started this podcast. And I even messaged Glorious Botafogo on Twitter, like, hey, do you know when they're going to be playing the second half of the of this game? And Pete goes like, what are you talking about? They already played Sunday. And I didn't even know. I didn't get any notification on my phone or anything like that. And... Yeah, it's surprising that this game ended 1-1. Botafogo misses yet another opportunity to ensure the three points, especially when they're playing at home. And looking at the table now, things are looking a little shaky. They're only seven points ahead of Rebel Bragancino with 10 weeks left. So that's a lot. And let's see how the situation turns up. Honestly, looking at how Red Bull has been playing recently, I hope Red Bull wins the championship despite Botafogo deserving it but who cares whatever happens happens and at the end of the day the only thing that I really hope for is for Santos to survive and looking at or keeping our eyes there it's not looking great but hopefully things change in the future and here's another North American reference uh for for you guys but uh, I don't even remember I'm not a huge American football guy but a Super Bowl a few years back, I think involving the 49ers, maybe the Ravens, something like that. 49ers were definitely involved. 
uh, they were winning and the lights went out. They had this huge pause, an hour, maybe something like that. They finally got the lighting issue back. And the other team, I think it was the Ravens, it could be totally wrong, uh, came back and won. And to this day, there's conspiracy theories all about it. And uh, there's, you know, it's just kind of this this pause, this uh, lighting issue in the game was it was uh, contributed to to the their loss. The 49ers were lost. Um, and both the Fogo fans, you know, if they do end up losing this championship, I still don't think they will. Uh, but I still think it's going to be a lot closer than than will be comfortable. Uh, we'll look back and 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 say this already. You know, there's lots of people accusing the league, various different shadowy entities about you know they, they don't want Botafogo to win. Um, I don't know. I always thought it was uh, really interesting. They actually switched kits when they came back on 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 Sunday, actually as well. So it's kind of a, a bizarre situation and just one of those things where. You, just the the door is wide open to conspiracy thinking and it's not surprising and i might even feel the same way if i was a botafogo fan that you know this this is kind of it kind of screws it screws with the players but at at the time i guess it was all uh you know t- tied up at 1-1 so uh they don't have the same excuse as the 49ers but um definitely one of those weird weird situations um okay uh, let's move on to two more Rio teams, uh, Flamengo and Vasco da Gama. Vasco da Gama. Vasco da Gama. Um, big derby. Big derby in Rio de Janeiro. Vasco absolutely surging, taking on anyone and, and beating a lot of great teams. Um, just one loss since August 28th. Um, and Ooh. wow, this was a great game. Lots of chances, and the keepers really stood out to me. Leo Jardim mentioned him already, but I even had uh, you know a few comments on Twitter. Rossi, the keeper. You know, we talked about um, Matheus Cunha for Flamengo. We talked about Rossi before, of course, and kind of and Santos, of course. Which keeper? Which of the Rossi outstanding? That save on Vegetti was incredible, uh, and Leo Jardim was 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 making some great saves too. Vasco. They would eventually lose this game, but they put out a great fight and they went toe-to-toe with one of the best rosters in Brazil. Um, I really thought maybe they weren't the best team on the pitch, but they had some really great chances. Yeah, and it's surprising that so Flamengo has had three managers so far in the season. The first one started with Santos and during this, at the end of his uh, run, he started using Mateus Cunha. And then Sampaoli came. He started with Matteo Scunha, and then he seemed like he liked Rossi at the end. And then after he got sacked, Tite came. And it's surprising that Tite likes Rossi. So two other keepers that have played the majority of the, of the tournament, actually, they don't even start. And it's nice to see that this third keeper that nobody even expected to play for Flamengo is playing games and he's performing well as he did against Vasco. Uh, this game was primarily dominated by Flamengo, especially in the first half with Fabrizio Bruno coming really close to scoring. But uh, the goal didn't come until the 76th minute when Harrison won the match. And it was a nice goal overall by him. Uh, one goal win. It reminded me of the win that Flamengo had two or three months ago against Corinthians in the same stadium. I think the goal was scored by Leo Pereira in the dying minutes. But yeah, a win that 
is much more different than the 4-1 that they got in the first round of games against Vasco, but still good enough to get the points needed. And looking at the table, Flamengo is actually in a good position, uh, currently in third and only two points away from Red Bull Bragantino. So with Tite uh, coming and becoming a manager, who knows, maybe they might end up second in the in the league. Yeah, I, I really think, uh, I mean, Red Bull Vaga have been great, uh, but can they say consistent enough to keep that second place? I don't know. If if not, Chiche's Flamengo is going to be right right there. Uh, two wins for Chiche, uh, two wins for Flamengo, uh, and uh, I think all Flamengo fans are probably feeling a little bit better. That Gerson goal as well, it took a deflection to beat uh, to beat Leo Jardim. I really think that Vasco are going to save themselves. I think uh, they're going to they're going to stay up. Uh, they've got some great players and that are playing incredibly. And I, I, I'm calling it right here. You've heard it here, first, folks. They're staying up. <laughs> All right. Uh, another huge derby. Derby in Belo Horizonte. Uh, Gallo facing Cruzeiro. Uh, first derby in the arena MRV. Um, not the fortress that we thought it was when it first opened up. Uh, Cruzeiro actually getting the win here and just a, a just a few notes here I want to make Enric because we can uh, just the one goal in it uh, but didn't know Mateus Pereira was back number one uh, nice little player I hope he uh, hopefully he can start making an impact for Cruzeiro but man the opening sequence with Bruno Rodriguez the beautiful flick nutmeg to create one of the first chances of the game just absolute beauty uh, and then Hulk uh, responded right away. Um, just uh, those two chances thought you were thought everyone was going to be in for a, a great game. Didn't really turn out that way, uh, and it kind of culminated in a really horrible own goal. Jemerson, fantastic header, just into the wrong net, um, and Cruzeiro spoiled the party in in, uh, in the new stadium. Uh, Cruzeiro first win in over a month. Atarco Monero, again, we've said it for maybe the last two years. Such a confusing team, so streaky, no consistency. Um, they drop one here to, to their arch rivals at home. So um, unfortunate for them, and, and they'll kind of stay uh, on the outside looking into those Libertadores spots. Yeah, this is definitely a game that I did not expect happening. Uh, when I see Cruzeiro, I seem to forget that they are from the Mineiro state. I always thought they come from Rio de Janeiro. So before uh, this game started, I thought that Atletico has an easy game. And if it wasn't about this being a derby, this would have been a 3-4-0 win for Galos. But given that it is a derby, Cruzeiro comes into this game without keeping in mind who like where they find themselves in the position of the table and they're here to bite Atletico in the head and they did so with an own goal scored by Hammerson it was really sad to see that own goal being scored even the keeper uh, Everson was pissed off with his teammates so at the end of the day Cruzeiro get three points but there's too many teams right now on the lower half of the table winning games like Bahia winning the last two matches Cruzeiro do so here and then the situation isn't looking good if those low uh, division teams or low tier teams win a lot of matches. It's not going to look good for Santos, especially when they lose to Internacional in the way that we're going to discuss about. So, yeah, hopefully things change in the future. 
Yeah, and and you just open the door, um, or really open the box, Pandora's box, to be precise. Bringing up Internacional and Santos, uh, let's get it out of the way. Um, Enric, I know you watched the World Cup in 2014. I know you watched that game at seven-one. The scoreline, I'd almost rather lose seven-nil or eight-one or ten-one. The 7-1 is just like a, just a branding or some sort of tattoo that you can't get rid of. It just all it just makes it so much worse. Internacional just laying waste to Santos here. Um I mean a historic embarrassment. We've been pretty in our feels about Santos for the maybe last year and a half, especially this season. We've said it all. Um, but this one was just a complete horror show and was just a culmination of, of just years of mismanagement, um, and and players that just don't have the right mentality. There isn't the winning culture, uh, that maybe existed, uh, certainly earlier in the club's history. Um, but just not of late. They're just not, I, I just we've I can't even I can't even string together a thought here. They just they just aren't with it. They look pathetic, and if they play like that again, they're absolutely getting relegated for the first time in their history. Seven-one, uh, of course, in favor of Inter. Um, I don't know. Just take take the floor and 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 take this one wherever you want to go with it. Well, ever since we started this podcast, I've been holding back of what I really want to say about this team and sort of motivate myself that, okay, this team is bad, but they can do better. And it seems like the same story happens over and over. We start the season very bad and then continue to lose against shit teams. Like, let's say we lose to Bahia, we lose to Coritiba. And then somehow we come back and beat Gramio, we beat Palmeiras, and you just know that in the back of the head, you're going to lose pretty badly in the future. And we did so last week against Rebel Bragancino. And then in the same scenario here, playing away from home, Internacional seems a difficult opponent. Don't look at where they find themselves in the table. Just see how they played against Fluminense in Libertadores. This could be a Libertadores final contender if it wasn't about Fluminense scoring that last-minute goal. And yeah, Internacional looked good. Uh, Santos on the other side has been having trouble starting, let's say, with the precedent. Like, what the hell? What's even the point of keeping this club? Like, this is known as the club of legends. It's the club where the legends are made from a very young age. And you wonder where the money that Neymar was sold for Barcelona, where did that money go? It didn't go into players. We sold Gabigol to Inter. And Gabigol came back on loan and then Flamengo bought him. Why couldn't we buy him? And if it was about uh, not having the money, but we should have had the money because we sold it to Inter. So where did that money go? It didn't go into transfers. It didn't go into the stadium. The stadium has been the same ever since it was created. And despite projects of uh, the Villa Bumiro being fixed in the future, still that hasn't happened yet. And yeah, the situation looks pretty bad. I saw the starting lineups and I and I see Kevison and Doji. And I wanted to type this honestly. Like, I know I say this all the time, but there's times that 
I hold back and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to type this on Twitter. And I knew that Kevison and Doji are the worst players that start for Santos. And Kevison, actually, I think I, we started seeing him when uh, the new coach, Paulo Turo, came in. That's the first time I saw Kevison as a left mid. And I thought to myself, who the hell is this guy? I've never seen him before. And he's been having some bad performances, even in the match against Vasco da Gama. He had some shitty mistakes, and that's the reason why we actually conceded. And here he concedes, scores an own goal. Unfortunate, but still, in my opinion, uh, other players like Sandri, despite being injured, are way ahead of him. And yeah, this game didn't go well. If last week it was Eduardo Sasha who scored, former Santos player, now it's Alan Patrique. It seems like uh, our former players always score, like uh, Gabi Gol like uh, the Corinthians player, Yuri Alberto. So I don't know what the situation is after that first half. I just turned the TV off and I just kept getting notifications of 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, 7-0. And it's the same scenario, as you said, uh, in the game against Brazil or against Germany, Brazil-Germany. Oscar scored that last goal. It was 7-0 and then we made it 7-1. Same scenario happens here and it's really sad. They're really sad to see a Santos team lose this badly. I know we are bad, but we didn't we didn't deserve to lose this badly against an Inter team. And hopefully things will change. Uh, I think not having our main keeper affected a lot. And it's probably something that explains to you that uh, uh, Joe Paulo and Soteldo are the heart of the Santos team. Without them, we can do anything and just hope that they can survive and Hopefully we think we turn things around in the coming matches. Yeah. Um, you said a lot, and I think I agree with just about everything. The administration has been a disaster. I've defended the president for up until probably about two, three months ago for making smart financial decisions. But the worst financial decision you can make is allowing the club to slip into Serie B, evaporating, vaporizing all sorts of TV revenue, it's 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 a disaster and if you can you have to make the smart financial decisions while keeping the club up he hasn't done that he needs to go he needs to resign they got to get rid of him and they've got to bring in some money and someone who can can manage this club like a professional and really quickly i think i researched this before i believe the presidential elections are going to be this november yeah so i'm pretty sure he's going to find himself fired or without any more contract. I don't know who's going to come in, but whoever does, I hope it's a different situation because under uh, under Sueda, it hasn't been good overall ever since he came in, I believe 2019 or 2020, something like that. So hopefully somebody else comes in and changes the story of this team and the way we play and the way we are viewed by other teams in the Brasileirao. Yeah, but I, I first just want to say that totally agree. That being said, the administration needs to go. They, they've got to do that. That being said, the players and the mentality are, are a huge issue. Coaching, yes, of course. We haven't had a real manager who, who's managed any sort of portion of time. That's disastrous. But the mentality of the players, you mentioned we lose to these small teams. The players are uninterested. They're not energetic. They don't seem like they are doing what it takes to win. Then when the big games come up, and we've talked about that, I know we've talked about this so many times, they can get themselves up for this big game. They just beat the champions. 
and then they do this. It's ridiculous. And Mauricio Destri, the commentator for Brasilia Real Play, commentating with John Cotterell this weekend, they noticed it. They noticed it right from the get-go. When you concede an own goal in the first minute, it's I know, I know it takes a big toll on the mentality, but you cannot fold like a like a folding table like this. And Mauricio called them out on 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 TV and he said they are hanging their heads, they're feeling sorry for themselves, and they need to toughen up. The mentality is weak, they're weak-minded. Another thing going with that the leadership we have good uh, some good leaders Joao Paulo of course he gave up the captaincy to who Thomas Rincon I'm he's a great leader he just got here does the guy even speak that much Portuguese I know it's close to Spanish but they're different languages the guy like why is he just got here why is he the captain where are our leaders where's our Carlos Sanchez you know like uh, we show Joe Paulo didn't play, but Lejimir, he's a veteran. He's got to step up. He's got to set the tone. There's got to be guys that hold other guys accountable on the pitch and also in training. And there just isn't. There just isn't. And it's sad and it's pathetic. And I, I, I we've said it all before, and this is just a culmination of it. And it's just, it's just a sad thing. It's a really sad thing. And if they go down, it'll be the first time in history. And I swear to God, if they go down, I'm going to do this podcast. I'm going to do it. I'm going to have to do it with a bag on my head, with some eyes, with some eyes in the mouth. Okay. But it's an embarrassment. And everyone on that team in that club should be embarrassed and they need to do better. And I'm hoping the one thing, Enric, I know you got your hand up, uh, that this could be a Southampton moment uh, in that a couple of years ago where they got blown out. I forget even who it was. I think it was by Leicester. Um, they got blown out 9-0, 8-0, something like that. They came back and they had a solid run to the end of the season. Maybe this is our Southampton moment. Um, I have no idea. The only thing I I must assume is that Eduardo Cude listens to the podcast and keeps hearing me shit on Inter, played it for the boys in the locker room, and they got Judah and, and put a shellacking on my Santos. So, Enric, uh, you can go ahead. <laughs> yeah, definitely, Peter. You were right about everything you just said there. And I think going back to last year's podcast around the same time, October or November, we played Coritiba. I think we lost or we drew. Something like that happened. And I think I said for the first time ever that I would like to see Santos in Serie B. And you called me up right after saying like, no, 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 this is something that we shouldn't see. But honestly, I think we need it. We need to play against teams like Guarani, Novorizoncino, who knows, like teams that Londrina, we are not used to because every team that you see at the moment, uh, aside from Sao Paulo and Flamengo, every team has been there. And Palmeiras, one of the best teams in South America, nobody remembers that they were in Serie B in 2014. They view Palmeiras as the best team in, in Brazil and the best team in South America. So who knows, maybe we have to go through that in order to succeed in the next five or the next 10 years. But Anyways, it's something that we never want to see. And maybe it's something that Sanchistas are proud of, the fact that we never got relegated. But who knows? Things Santos has been shaky for the last two or three years. And we have deserved to be in Serie B, not only in the Brazil route, but also in the Paulista. But yeah, it's sad to say that. But the situation is not looking good. And Santos is nowhere where the team used to be a decade ago. 
Yeah, I just I I can't I can't imagine. And the worst part is, Enric, I love the jabbing and the jeering from other fans. You know, the taunting, and I never want to see the ghost with the letter B on it for Santos. But the worst thing, the worst part is, um, we're getting we're getting people reaching out saying, not even jabbing at Santos, just saying, I feel bad for you guys. I, I'm I'm I. Feel, that's even worse. What about insult? Like you insult your peers, you insult your competition. No one sees a threat in Santos. Everyone's, oh, I'm so sorry. I really hope you guys can stay. Come on, pathetic from Santos. They got to do better. Um, let's keep it moving. All right, Corinthians one one with America. Uh, again, disappointing from Corinthians. America will take the point. Um, could have been an L if if Casio wasn't playing. Uh, last minute goal from Giuliano. Um, uh, Yuri Alberto again, streaky player, confusing, misses a few good chances, and they just cannot pull away from the relegation zone. They can't even win at home against the Brazil's worst team, or the the Brasileiro Serie's worst team in America. Um, they just can't do it, and they're they're not a very good team, and and they're a team that I think they're just going to need a rebuild. Um, yeah, I don't know, Andrew, Any any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I watched this the last 10 minutes, actually, and I thought Corinthians looked good. Maybe they should have uh, woken up earlier into this match and played how they played against Fluminense, scoring that last minute or last second goal uh, helped them, but also explains the situation Corinthians is currently in. And they have actually been here for the last two or three years as well, just like Santos. And despite us saying Santos is bad, Santos is bad, Corinthians is only three points in front of us. And if we had drawn the game against Internacional and Cruzeiro and Bahia, I believe, if both of those teams would have lost on that on this match week that we're talking about, Santos right now would find themselves uh, ahead of Inter in 12th place in the Sudamericana zone. So it's crazy how things can change in a space of one week or two, and hopefully they do change. But yeah, Corinthians is not looking good, and America pretty much relegated. They can do nothing to help themselves. And other than that, we had Rebel Bragancino beating Fluminense 1-0, another devastating result for Fernando Geniz, losing to Uruguay, tying to Corinthians, and now losing to Red Bull. One goal, Eduardo Sasha, again, a penalty kick goal, gets the job done, gets the three points. And yeah, Red Bull is looking like a hot team as they have been in the last couple of weeks. Yep. Yeah. Fluminense, no wins in their last four, including three losses. Uh, Red Bull, much the opposite. Four wins out of their last five. The, that other game is a draw. Um, they're seven points off the, the leaders um, and just a huge underdog story. I'd love to get uh, either someone who follows the team, a journalist or or a, a fan, an English speaking fan onto the podcast, because I'd love to love to know more about the stadium, the fan base. And, and and some of the more recent history, because of course, Red Bull Brazil preceded Red Bull Bragantino uh, as the Red Bull outfit in Brazil. Uh, Red Bull Bragantino was a Paulista team, uh, or just Bragantino. Um, and so I'd love to get a fan on. Um, but all right, let's end it with Coritiba and Palmeiras. Uh, Palmeiras 2-0 uh, over this. Gustavo Gomez back on the score sheet. Um, pretty decent win. They finally get... Uh, uh, stop skidding after four losses in a row. Um, but really the, the story is 
for Palmeiras is the fan protest. They're fed up uh, with the administration. Um, they were in the hunt for the championship, Libertadores, Copa do Brazil at all. Uh, they're not going to get any of that. Uh, 12 points off the leaders, Botafogo now. Uh, they had um, four losses in their last five games. Um, and uh, they protest. they've been protesting. We saw, we talked about the Times Square. Um, they've got signs. They're marched on the uh, some of the club's properties today in Sao Paulo, um, protesting Leila Pereira specifically. Um, I believe uh, a lot of internal factions in the club are are trying to maneuver and, and get her out as well. So um, she looks to be going down, but she's very resilient. She's a very powerful person in the club and in Sao Paulo in general. Um, she's addressed these concerns a few times and, and people really haven't been happy with her answers. So um, we'll have to keep an eye on this one, but uh, pretty funny here. They had a they had, I don't really even get the reference. I, I looked into it and I still don't get it, but part of the fan protest, they brought a bunch of pizza boxes out in front uh, saying, um, you know, is, is a one vote worth a pizza, something like that. Uh, so please write to us if you know what that means. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was pretty funny and uh, a good way to protest as long as they're not, you know, attacking their players or attacking other things. Uh, that's That's always nice to see. Um, all right, Enric, let's look at the table here. Uh, Botafogo, like we've said, a bunch, seven-point lead. The gap is closing. Uh, but the rest of the team, the, or the rest of the league, the chase for Libertadores spots is tight. This chase for relegation spots, those last two spots, is tight. This is going to be a really dramatic and exciting end to the season. It always is in Brazil, but especially this year, uh, who do you have your eye on moving up or down the table right now? Well, Curitiba and America, I say this every week, I consider them pretty much relegated and they are 10 points below Santos, 10 or 11. And the teams that will get relegated have to be between Santos, Vasco. Vasco will surely escape. Uh, Goyas, one point ahead of us in the 16th spot. Cruzeiro, uh, three four points ahead of us in the 14th. And the same thing goes for Bahia. I believe things can change and turn around. We play Curitiba next week. And looking at how we tied 0-0 in their, in their stadium, I think that was very surprising. And now we play at home. So this should be a must-win game. And by winning that, and if both Goyas and Vasco lose or they draw the games, then Santos escapes the relegation zone. It's as simple as that. And if we continue to at least beat the opponents that we should beat and draw against opponents that we can draw, like, for example, playing against Sao Paulo in a week or two, uh, I believe we can do amazing things. I heard that the game between Santos and Flamengo will be played in the Brasiliense Stadium. Um, Luisa Esteval actually told me about this. So hopefully we can draw a game there uh, for the fact that it's not going to be played in Maracanã. And yeah, Santos can escape if we turn up and play the way we played against Vasco and the way we played against Bahia. Uh, upcoming matches, other than Santos, Coritiba, uh, there's some big ones. We have Gremio and Flamengo, uh, teams that played uh, against each other in Copa do Brazil. And other than that, uh, do you see anything else, Peter, happening in match week 29? Well, the the main thing here, I think, is the squish together of the match the match weeks here. 
Uh, the midweek match week starts on Thursday. Uh, most of the teams play Thursday. Then they play again at the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, um, just a few days later. I think it could could maybe impact some of the smaller teams that don't have the depth the bigger teams do. But it also could yield some 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 pretty interesting results here. Of course, the Derby, Palmeiras and Sao Paulo, of course, is one to keep your eye on. Uh, Gremio and Flamengo, two top-tier teams as well, battling it out. And, uh, you know, the the relegation fight. you got Vasco versus Internacional, and you've got Santos versus Coritiba. Two games there that I think uh, both teams will be looking to move up and out of the relegation zone, and I think they can. Uh, both teams, Vasco and Santos, uh, are home, and that could mean Inter drop even further and could be involved in this relegation fight uh, if they get bound by Vasco. Uh, match week 30 also uh, some interesting um, clashes Atletico Paranaense and Sao Paulo two teams trying to move up into that top elite tier Um, and then you've got a big Sao Paulo derby Corinthians hosting Santos Santos of course trying to get rid of that relegation uh, um, you know trying to get rid of that relegation stink that they have on them Corinthians much the same, trying to just get out of this, this, this even being considered in this fight. Um, so that's going to be a huge battle. But really, the big match at the weekend is the big final, Copa Sudamericana final, Fortaleza versus Liga de Quito. Uh, this is going on on Saturday, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern time, Eastern Standard Time, if you're in the U.S. Um, so some really important games and but but let's not gloss over that sudamericana final that's going to be very very fun uh and of course we'll be rooting for the brazilian team fortaleza voivoda one of my favorite managers in brazil they've got a great team stack team talent veteran uh some youth i think as well um but liga de quito are a, a really good side so um that'll be really exciting to watch all right and with that, let's close it down, Enric. Uh, thanks, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, and we will be back very, very soon to talk more about Brazilian football. In the meantime, have a great day.